Do you aspire to become a responsible leader? How do you see yourself now as a young man? Learning from challenges is one thing, but getting opportunities is another. If you're a young man who wants to learn about personal growth, life lessons, and leadership, tune in to Essential 11, shaping leaders among leaders. What's up, sir? What's going on? How are you, bud? Good. We just got back. Uh, me and the family were traveling to Nashville the past two days, so we just rolled in. Uh, so it's going to all set up. I saw that. Are you still in Nashville right now? No, no, we, we just got back. We landed an okay. um, hour and a half ago. Okay. Oh, man, you guys just just got back. We just got back. Oh, you savage. Thanks for jumping on here, man. I mean, thanks Absolutely. for jumping on anyways, but that's that even that's even a bigger deal right there, man. No, it's, I mean, two, two places I love. I love Nashville just as much as I love Central Texas. Yeah, for sure, man. When's the next time you're back in Nashville? Um, probably a few weeks, honestly, we're, we've been okay. going back out there looking at, at properties. Okay. And, um, you know, that's, that's where me and my wife and family want to end up eventually. So it's just, you know, I'm trying to get a lay of the land and get yeah. my, my mind just wrapped around all the areas and, uh, everything that's going on over there. So before we make that move, I want to make sure it's the right spot. A hundred percent. That's awesome, man. Well, when you guys are going to be there for an extended period and you feel like, uh, having some company, man, will come. I, I just selfishly, I want to come hold Charlie, dude. That's all. I don't even want to see your dad. I want to come hold Charlie. For sure. I mean, Charlie has probably traveled on a plane 20 plus times so far. Okay. And she, she turns one in 16 days. Yeah. I was going to say it's coming up like, like right away. Yeah. That's awesome, dude. Oh, so cool. I'm, I'm stoked for you guys, man. Um, Thank you. I was just talking to Timmy today too. We'll be back. I think I'm going to be back in Austin like eight times still before 2024 is over. I think um, we got a whole bunch of things back and forth, including that October, um, that October thing that I texted you about the other day, man, that I think we're going to have some, we're going to have some fun. So I'll get you more details on that, but no, I, again, no. yeah, it's going to be freaking fun, man. So, oh, it's awesome, man. Well, dude, again, thank you. What you see here is a bunch of amazing men. You know how we do it with the young guys. Well, yeah. You know, we've got a bunch of uh, of amazing guys uh, here as well, and and I uh, I I asked them before we you know got started. So okay, I I know I sent the link and everything, but does anybody here does anybody not know who who Nick Bear is? And I think of everybody here, there was like one or two guys that were like, ah, oh, we don't. So you know, most of the guys have a really good idea. Obviously, this goes out as a podcast. Everybody knows who you are as far as that too. But you mind breaking us in just super quick with like a thirty thousand foot overview of your words on who Nick is, that's yeah. different That's different than the official bio. Like what's your words on who Nick is? Yeah, I kind of give, first of all, I appreciate the opportunity to come on here and talk. I uh, really appreciate that. I'll give you kind of some background and context and into what the last decade of my life has, has been focused on and kind of how that has evolved and transitioned to what I'm focused on today. So in 2012, I was a, uh, I was a junior in college I was in the Army ROTC program, and I decided to take out a loan and pursue my dreams and start the company that I built today, which is Bayer Performance Nutrition. It's a, a health and performance supplement company based out of Central Texas, right outside of Austin. So I got this $20,000 loan, thought I was going to make a million dollars year one. We did $20,000 in revenue, barely scratching by the first three to four years. Uh, and I timed it up horribly where as soon as I started the business, I graduated college shortly after with a degree in nutrition, went right to the Army, 
served four years uh, in the Army as an infantry officer. I uh, went to Ranger School, Airborne School, spent my, my time as an infantry platoon leader at Fort Hood. Uh, was in South Korea for nine months is honestly where I, I scaled my business. Transitioned out of the military in 2017 and have really since then been focused on, on building my brand, scaling, scaling BPN. Uh, you know, this year we're on track to do 60 million in revenue. We have over 40 full-time employees. We operate out of a 50,000 square foot warehouse. And that's really just been focused on doing the, the right things over a long period of time with the right people uh, and a strong mission. I've been documenting this process on social, via YouTube, the podcast, everything for the last decade. So it's the whole journey's out there. And uh, this past January, after really being a all-in operator of the business for the last decade, stepped down from the CEO role, hired a new CEO, her name's Kat Thomas, badass operator, badass entrepreneur, previous founder. Uh, and I stepped down from the CEO role because work was all consuming for me and I wanted to be all in on my family and in the role that I was in and the way that I operate, just my personality, I, I, I couldn't do that. So I sat down from that role. I'm the founder of right now focused on brand awareness and uh, vision for the organization. Happily married to my wife, Steph. We have a house here in central Texas with two dogs and uh, my daughter is about to be one year old on July 15th, which has completely rocked my world and told me a whole new phase of life and uh, reshifted my priorities and, and realizing what's important and how I want to live. And my life has changed so much in the last year that it's it's given so much to me. And that's kind of where a lot of my content, a lot of my work is being focused now is, you know, realizing that you can you can be ambitious with your goals. You can build your business. You can build your body. You can chase the wildest dreams. But it also, you can also be very content and peaceful with, with your family and the people in your life. And that balance is very, very hard. It's super difficult. I'm not uh, there yet, but I'm, I think I'm getting better. But that's kind of my my goal and my mission for myself, my family, and kind of some of the things I'm I'm sharing with the world. It's freaking awesome, man. And, and I, I'm sure there's somebody at some point that you made mad, but I know a lot of people who know you as well, and nobody's ever had a bad thing to say about Nick Bear um, as well. Uh, you know, and all that to say, you're just, you're a really good freaking human. Yeah, you're a badass operator, um, and you're a stud of a hybrid athlete, and you're an amazing entrepreneur. Um, we're going to get into some of the other things, but you're a really good freaking human being first. Um, and so that's, that is the thing that I honor most and, and love most about you, man, for sure. That. No, thank you. Dude, and so, you know, when we get together and, and I've had, again, the honor of, of coming out and joining you a couple of times on the show and, and guys, if you're not listening to his podcast, I highly recommend it. Um, not just the amazing get Nick is a really good host, you know, I mean, you just, you ask really good questions, um, and it's not, you know, I, I get the honor of doing a few every week you do as well. It's just, it's a different, it's a different level, man. Um, but I think it's, it goes, those are two in the same thing. Like you're an easy person to get along with. You're an easy person to get around with. You're an easy person to connect with. Um, and I remember somebody saying something about Will Smith one time, say what you will about the whole slapping Chris Rock and, you know, is he on Epstein's flight log, but I'm just talking Will Smith in terms of like charisma, people are like, Hey dude, this guy can get along with a freaking doorknob. Right. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's 
you too. Is there anybody you don't enjoy being around or have a, like that you struggle to connect with? Is there a type of person you struggle to connect with? Yeah, I was actually just thinking about this on my run this morning. Uh, so I logged, I ran eight miles in downtown Franklin uh, in Tennessee this morning and Bezos Coolian is coming on the podcast tomorrow. So I was kind of just thinking about some of the questions I want to ask Bedros and where I want to guide that question. And that was actually one of them is I was thinking, think about the people that I get along with. That's a very organic and just natural discussion, conversation, relationship. And people who I don't get along with, people I don't get along with very well are high ego individuals, uh, insecure individuals. And you know, I, I think some those two go hand in hand together a lot. I've worked with people, I've hired people who are studs at their job, but they are extremely insecure and they have an extremely high ego. And I, I can never just get along with those people um, because I, I think of myself as someone with, with low ego. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm willing to accept what I don't know and how much I can grow and, you know, where I'm at now, where I can get to. But I'd say those two characteristics are, are ones that I just really have a hard time getting over. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. Um, and you're, you know, first, I know you did an episode with uh, with Bedros and Ray was with him. Yeah. Ray was there last time, too. And Bedros is very much, I mean, he's a high performer, um, but he is one guy that will put the ego on the shelf and, you know, and just do the right thing because it's the right thing. So that makes sense, you know, and Mark Bell and and uh, Thomas, you know, DeLauer and, and, uh, Steve Weatherford and all that. Like it just, that makes sense. Uh, it's how those guys roll and you're very much in that same boat. Um, what do you think people get wrong about you? Um, I think because a lot of the content I produce, yeah. you know, having a military background for one. And when I started, when I started documenting my life and building the business, I was active duty. So a lot of people were finding my content uh, during that phase of my life, you know, between 2014, 2017. And then doing a lot of these fitness challenges and events, you know, marathons and 100 mile ultra marathons and triathlons, I think, and, and building the business. I think, I think a lot of people think that I'm all work, no play. A lot of people think that it's like, it's business, 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 and that's it. And there's no fun. There's no like joy in life. It's work, hustle, grind. Like that's all that matters. And I think I think there was a phase in my life where I was like that, and I thought that way. And um, I, when I, you know when I was deep into building the business, I had this mindset of I need to work all the time. And anyone else who isn't working all the time is is weak and a piece of shit. And that was that was it. Uh, that was me just being immature and lack of experience. You know, I was younger. I had little responsibility. It was me and myself and I. We didn't have a wife or kids. And I think I think people believe that that is all I do. It's like one hundred percent, all day, every day, all the time, and. When people hear that I go out to dinner and have a cocktail or a beer, they lose their mind. 
<laughs> or, or I go on vacation, I lay on the beach and eat cheeses with my wife. Like they lose their mind. Or that sometimes I don't want to work and I want to spend time with my family and just like relax and go for a run, let my mind wander and think. Um, and I, I, I believe that sometimes I used to think this way, you know, high achievers feel like they need to be on 24-7. And when you're on 24-7 and you don't take a step back and you're on like silence, solitude, meditation, you actually can't go deep into your thoughts. You can't do any self-work. You lose self-awareness. You're just jumping from task one to task two to task three. And you become a robot and you're on autopilot. I've been on autopilot many times in my life. And the older I get and the more success I accumulate and the bigger things I do, the more I realize you need this time. You need time for yourself. You need leisure time. You need family time. Um, But I think that's what the biggest thing people get wrong is they think that I'm just on 24-7. And if you're not on 24-7, you're weak or you're wrong. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Did Did you have to learn that? the hard way? Did you have a mentor for that? I know you're an avid reader as well. Was it something, you know, in a book, was it a combination of all those? Like, how did you come to that? Because you're right. There's a maturity. Everybody, I think, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs go through that, that exact phase. Um, but there is a maturity that you can get to where you, where you have that perspective shift like you did, where did that come from for you? I mean, there's definitely phases in my life where it's just kind of built um, you know, I, I had Chris Williamson on the podcast this past week, and he he was talking about an interview he did with Rogan, and Rogan uh, describes it as layers of paint. So throughout your life, the more experiences you you have, the the more that you try to accomplish, whether you fail or succeed and win or lose, it's kind of it's a notch on the belt, or it's a layer of paint where you just get smarter and smarter and smarter. So. You just have to keep doing and putting yourself out there and, and taking advantage of opportunities because it's a layer of paint that gets added on top. Mm-hmm. So when I was younger and I had little responsibility, I was able to just, just add things on my schedule. It's like, oh, I, like we want to do this new project or I want to do this new race or we want to build out this new arm of the business. I will just sleep less and work more. And I could do that at one point in my life. And uh, then when my, you know, I got engaged and got married, I didn't change where I just kept taking on more responsibility and neglected the new responsibilities that I just gained through marriage. So I neglected that relationship really early on. A clear example, I signed up for my second Ironman a week before I got married. We were on our honeymoon in Cabo and every single morning I was running 14 miles on the treadmill while my wife was waiting for me to go to the the pool. And I thought it was me being super strict and rigid and consistent, but it was me being very selfish in retrospect. And then the breaking point, because I got really good at operating at Redline. I've talked about this in my podcast a lot, where I think of Redline in terms of this, this vehicle or this car, where if you push a vehicle or a car to Redline and you hold it there, you can push it, it's full power effort and go as fast as possible without it breaking down. But once you go over red line, you risk 
destroying the, the machine, the engine. I got really good at operating at Redline. And when my daughter was born, it pushed me over Redline and I burn out. I was, I was exhausted. I didn't know how to handle this new responsibility that disrupted my routine and my selfish ability to prioritize my wants and needs. And now I was trying to, to navigate, how do I show up for my daughter? Oh, I've been neglecting my wife. How do I show up for my wife? How do I keep building the business? And that was a, a really hard transition for me. And it was just time and conversations and a lot of solitude and just thinking, a lot of thinking. Like one of my favorite things you said on the podcast we did together, I asked you, what is one thing that society is telling parents that is failing them? You said that parents feel the need to outsource everything. And it made me think of my life. Like, what am I trying to outsource that I don't need outsourced? I know what's right and wrong for me. I know what I have to do. I know what I have to do with my family. I just need to do it. I don't need all this information from the media or other people or social or sometimes even these books. I know what I have to do. I just have to do it. And I was recently listening to um, a podcast. can't remember the, the guy's name off the top of my head. But the book was called uh, Die With Zero, I believe. And Die With Zero he, he was an investment banker. I think he was on Wall Street, led a hedge fund, made lots of money, and previously lived a life of accumulating wealth mm-hmm. and material things and neglecting experiences or time with his family because accumulating wealth was more important. And he learned over time that it's better to die with zero, die with no money because you spend all of it on the people you love and the things you care about and experiences you want to experience itself. And uh, he described it in the, in the episode in terms of things you want to do in your life. He told the story, he said, you know, say for example, you go and you speak to God before you show up on earth and God asks you, what do you want to do? when your time spent down there and you say, man, I want to, I want to build a business. I want to make a million dollars. I want to uh, travel the world. Uh, I want to do a missions trip. Um, I want to honor you. I want to have four kids. I want to gamble all my money away and gain it all back at some point. I want to date a million women. I want to get this degree in this master's and I want to be a doctor, all these things. He, he throws all these things out there. And God says, okay, you can do all of that as long as you put it in the right order. Mm-hmm. And I think we have to have these realistic conversations with ourselves in terms of what our life looks like. You know, mm-hmm. when I was 20 years old, traveling the world sounded amazing. Like just backpacking across the entire world. And I probably could have done it then after I got out of college or the army and I had little responsibility. I had no money, but you just backpacking, you can do it. Now, if I'd want to do that, there's no way. Because if I'm doing that, I'm leaving my family, I'm leaving my business, I'm leaving all these responsibilities I have. It would be very 
uh, a very poor decision. So you can do all these things you want in life, but you have to put them in the right order. Because if you don't put them in the right order, you're going to destroy your relationships, mm. your success, your job, any other part of your life. And uh, I think just, I struggled when my daughter was born, willing to accept that, yeah. willing to accept that. Oh man, I think like, I mourned my my previous life for a little bit, and then I realized over months it didn't come right away. I realized over months that no, this is just the new chapter I'm in, and it doesn't mean I can't do all these things, but I just can't do it right now. And I have to really embrace the the, the chapter I'm in right now. That's easier said than done. I still struggle with it. But uh, that was a really good podcast. Let's do it in a really good book. I really like that concept. I like that's a that's a a heck of a thought exercise. Um, you know, when you were talking, it was reminding me of a quote that I was I had heard, and I'll butcher the quote, so I won't say it precisely, but it was something I was talking with, you know, these guys about earlier this week. It was something Naval Ravikant said um on the importance of uh the the most, or he said, the most important things in life can always be learned, but they can't be taught. Um, you know, he's speaking directly about the experiences that we go through, and there's certain things that you just can't be taught. You know, and you and I have had a number of conversations on this too, just around fatherhood, right? Like I could, you know, we talked about like intellectually, yes, you can understand what it's going to be like to be a father, but then you have Charlie, and you're like, okay, nobody could have taught me how I was going to feel here. Nobody was going to taught me you know, that I'm running this multi-million dollar company. And then now I want to be the primary educator in her life. I want to have a CEO come in here so I can be home. So I can be the primary educator at home for Charlie. Like nobody could have, you know, these are things you had to learn by, by going through that. And it's a fascinating thought exercise to take a look at the order. And obviously there's nothing we can do as we stand in the present time. Um, but my educator mind automatically goes to, okay, how do I is that a lesson I can even um, give my my own kids? Is that something that they're just, I'm not going to be able to teach it? They're going to have to learn that on their own. That's a fascinating thing, man. I'm going to dive. I'm going to nerd out on that for a while. But that's like, it's awareness. You know, yeah. it's just having awareness. Yeah. You can't you can't really teach awareness. Yeah. And even, even in our business, so we implemented this new system into our business this past year. It's called EOS, the Entrepreneurial Operating System. It's built off a book called Traction. And it pretty much guides and outlines the way you operate your business in terms of meeting structure, um, organizational structure, and uh, the way you hire and fire. You, you hire and fire based off of what they call GWC. So you have a people analyzer and First off, you make sure everyone that you're analyzing, whether it's to hire or fire, uh, meets the criteria of your value system in your business. If they don't meet the value system, like they're they're gone. And then it's GWC. Do they get it? Do they want it? Do they have the capacity? Do they get what that job is? Like, do they get what it actually means to do it? Uh, want it? Do they want the position and capacity? Do they have the time, the bandwidth, but also the skills, knowledge, experience to succeed in that position? And uh, one of the things that I always evaluate people on is awareness, self-awareness. You, it's, 
you can't teach self-awareness. Someone either has it or they don't. And if you don't have self-awareness, for me, that is a, a deal breaker. And that only comes with experience. It comes with doing more. It comes with personal work. Uh, you know, people who have, have high ego and who are often insecure usually lack self-awareness. You know, it, it is a, a trait characteristic of being humble. Uh, but yeah, experience, you can't, you can't teach that. You have to learn that. Yeah, we got to go through it. Oh. Gentlemen, um, there's a big part of me that wants to just be like, I don't even see your hands, man. I'm just going to keep talking with Nick, but I, I need to do right. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I see you, Mr. Ward. Dang right. So I'm going to... I'll pause myself here and uh, and we'll let you guys jump in too, man. You guys ask better questions anyways. Ryan, go ahead, sir. Nick, hey, man. Thanks for being out with us today. For sure. Thanks, man. Actually, after jumping off a, a flight and, and jumping out with us, it's awesome. We appreciate that. And I'll preemptively uh, welcome you to the Nashville area whenever that may happen. We're uh, out yeah. used to downtown. So I was excited to see other good people headed this direction. Um, I guess the question I had, you covered some of it, but, you know, go one more, right, is something that stuck with me. Um, just appreciate the content you put on YouTube and following that since probably about 2018. And I don't hit subscribe and, and like on many things, but your channel is one of them. Um, my question would be, how have you seen that mentality show up and make an impact now as a husband and, and especially now as a dad? Yeah. Um, spoken to that quite a bit already, but I'm curious if there's any practical ways that that you've seen that create an impact. Yeah. So I'm actually writing a book right now called Go One More. And it's all about how uh, it's going to be all these lessons I've learned in the last 10 years and stories applied to them. The way that Go One More has evolved for me is originally when I founded it and we trademarked it in 2018, 2019, it was all about... Uh, pushing your mind and body beyond what you thought was um, your limit or what you were capable of, you know, running one more mile, working one more hour, uh, you know, spending one more day in the gym. It's like pushing yourself forward to get stronger and better and to improve. And the way that's involved in my life personally, it, it kind of goes back to the story I told him. You can't just keep adding on to because if you keep adding on to something has to give you have to sacrifice something in order to add more onto your plate and onto your list of responsibilities so this book that i'm writing right now called going more it is like my my approach with going more now is you have to learn how to gain clarity into your life when you learn how to gain clarity into your life and your priorities and what's important and kind of the trajectory of where you want to take it. That's how you then truly apply go one more. You know, Matt mentioned right when I came on this episode, um, just like the questions I ask when I host podcasts and kind of the way I build my business. One of my favorite quotes is that, and I say this all the time, so you guys might've heard this before, lack of intentionality leads to a repetition of what is easiest. Mm -hmm. So if you're living your life where it is unclear and it's busy and it's noisy, there's no way that you can apply intentionality. 
And when you gain clarity in your life by realizing what's important, the path you need to take and, and saying no to more things and, and doing more with less, you can be more intentional because you're more clear with your, your vision, your mission, and that's how you apply go on more. It's not always doing more. It might be doing more with less, but it's, it's a, approaching decisions and chapters and transitions with as much clarity as possible. And that's how you keep moving forward and making progress. Love that, man. Thanks. Looking forward to the book. Thank you. Does Steph ever say, let's go one more on the kids? You guys? Uh, not yet. She, I, she, she hears me say it and she's just like, she knows she's going to feel the brunt of it typically. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Like this, this past year I tried, uh, you know, this is, this is when I was trying to figure out how to be a dad and what being a dad was all about. And uh, I wanted to do an Ironman triathlon because that's what I, that's what's comfortable for me. Like, what's comfortable for me is going into another fitness prep and pushing my body beyond physical limits and being selfish with my time and going all in on a goal. But the result of that is typically there's collateral damage to other parts of your life. Right. A lot of people have asked me since becoming a dad, what's next? What's next? What, what's next? Because I haven't signed up for a new race or a new competition. I haven't announced anything really. And the answer has been, well, I'm, I'm focused on being a dad right now. I'm focused on my family right now. Like that's, that's what's next. Um, but I was going back to telling the story of, I tried alluding to staff that I was going to do a Ironman triathlon this yeah. fall. And I kept dropping hints. And I'd like, I throw out a hint. It's just like, I wanted to massage the idea into her mind. So like, she would actually think it was a good idea. And I'd throw these hints up there and she would just smack it down every time. I was like, damn, like, I am not getting anywhere. Then I found out she knew I was planning on doing uh, <laughs> Iron Man before I told her. Yeah. So we just had a serious conversation. And it was like, this is not the right time, not the right place. Uh, and I, you know, as soon as we had a conversation, I thought, yeah, you're right. This is not the right time of our life for me to be focused on an Iron Man triathlon. Um, I will do one again when the time is right. But right now it's not. That's awesome. Good lady too. Good lady. Yeah, on it for sure. Mr. Ward. Hey, Mr. Bear. Thanks so much for uh, being on with us today. I did the original question I had. Since we're short on time, I'm not even going to dive down that rabbit hole. It's based on a question Matt asked us yesterday. Uh, so, but having the different types of people that you have around you and whatnot. But uh, now that you're a new dad, I was wondering. You know, when it comes to showing up versus everything else, whether it's your training or work, and now that you're not a CEO anymore, what are, what are the adjustments that you made so that you're not exhausted all the time? Because that's what I run into. And some of the guys in my units, I talked to them about it a little bit about it. And, you know, I, I suffer from some uh, a bit of decision fatigue and uh, I'm getting a little better. It's very slow progress, you know, that old 1% at a time. But what were the, now that you're a dad, what are the adjustments you've made so that you're not too exhausted to make sure you're showing up for, you know, your wife and kid? Yeah, I'll, I'll talk about what I've done. I don't know if it's 
if it's applicable to a, a lot of people, but for my situation, it's worked for me. So I have a, I have a team in the business. Obviously, I have, I have 40 plus employees. And, um, you know, when Charlie was first born, for those first couple of weeks and months when I was still the CEO, I was, I mean, I'm still exhausted, but I was exhausted, exhausted. And I actually started to find, I found myself starting to just become resentful uh, to the people around me because of the amount of work that I was doing and the amount of decisions people were asking me and the amount of things I was trying to do. And I, you know, to give an example of that, I told my entire team after Charlie was born, so I'm taking two weeks off, two weeks off to spend with the family. I'll be back in two weeks. The day we got back from the hospital, I got called in from the executive team because there was a fire in the business and I got pulled in and I never took one of those 14 days off. I went back right after Charlie was born and I didn't stop going back to the office. And that is, is very similar to when I was on, the, on my honeymoon with my wife, running on the treadmill 14 miles every single morning. So what I did is I finally got to a point where I was burnt out. I was exhausted. I was burnt. Uh, I was, I wasn't happy. I wasn't fulfilled. And in my head, I'm like, I got this brand new baby girl. My business is growing. Like I've built this thing over the last decade. All my, my hard work started to pay off. Why am I so unhappy and so unfulfilled right now? It was a really hard realization and conversation with myself and my wife. And I realized I was, I was just trying to do too much. I was trying to control too much. So I kind of really leaned into delegate and elevate. You know, hey, hire more people and people who I have on my team or have my life. I'm going to delegate this responsibility to you. This provides you more ownership. You now do this. Like this is, this is your baby. This is, this is your role. Delegate and elevate. I delegated and elevated a lot of tasks and people in my life that were already there and willing to help that kind of allowed me to take a step back. And when I took a step back, I realized a lot. One, that's when I started to learn, oh, wow. Like I'm not just failing at being a new dad right now, but I actually haven't shown up as a really good husband the last couple of years. And then I also realized, um, you know, maybe that maybe I shouldn't be in the CEO rules. Maybe, maybe I'm just holding that CEO title because there's ego behind that title in that position. Maybe I can actually move the needle more in the business in another role. And then I'm really passionate about. So then I stepped down from the CEO role and put someone else in. And I really just focused on my area of genius. And I think what happens with a lot of people, myself included. There's this good book that I read a few years ago called The 15 Commitments of Conscious Leadership. And in the book, they talk about how some of the greatest leaders and the highest achievers try to and fail at operating in areas outside of their genius. And what that means is you should focus on what you're really good at and do that and apply that to other parts of your life because that's what you're really good at. And you're gonna be more effective and efficient by doing that than trying to learn everything about anything. 
And when I finally applied that, it made me realize, oh, I'm probably not the best operator to leave this business from 60 to 100. But I bet you someone else could. And I bet you if I put that right person in place, I'm going to stress out less and I can hone in on my area of genius. So I just really delegated and elevated a lot of people in my life. Beautiful. Thank you. So, dude, such a powerful concept, man. Curry, go ahead, sir. Hey, what's going on, Nick? Thanks for jumping on with this uh, fresh off your flight. Yeah, thank you. Um, So I've heard you speak on this a little bit in a few of your videos about the both the importance and sometimes the difficulty of being present, um, whether it's with with your baby girl, your wife, your friends, whatever it is, being present in the moment. Um, and I've struggled with that with my three-year-old boy, you know, through the newborn stage and having a baby and trying to navigate my life um, and be present. And, and I've caught myself in situations where I am present and man, it's the best feeling in the world. Yeah. Just smooth sailing. Everything's fun. Um, and then I've caught myself on the other side, and it's the absolute worst feeling in the world, you know, feeling tethered, tethered to a whole bunch of other things when you're trying to play with your kid. So I was wondering if you've ever compared kind of those two aspects of your life and, and looked at what's going on in the moments where I am present, uh, what habits may I be doing, how I'm, you know, what I'm doing or not doing, and the same thing on the other side. Uh, when you're catching yourself not being present, what may be going on, what habits you may be pursuing on this side and kind of compare the two. And uh, if you found ways to kind of recalibrate and reset to to get back to being present with your your wife and your baby girl and things. Yeah, it's really hard. Yeah. Uh, I heard Jesse Itzler say a few years ago, that to be present is just to be where your feet are at. And it's easier said than done. And I think you get better with repetition. But like, like you mentioned, we know what these two things feel like. Mm-hmm. We know what it feels like to make you, when, when you're doing something, like I've been at dinners before where I'm having a really good dinner and the conversation is really good with really good people. And it's not even about food, but it's just, it's who you're with and where it's at and the, the environment and the energy and everything. And there's, I've had dinners like this where I've, I've almost taken a step back and thought, man, I don't want this to end. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to stay right here for the rest of my life. There's this one, there's this one place in Austin I'll go to. It's called Steiner House uh, Steakhouse. Steiner Ranch, Steiner Ranch Steakhouse. You know, that's where we're going on the 21st, by the way, brother. It's beautiful. That's where we're going. And it's, it's a Friday. I've had this night multiple times where it's a Friday night. It's overlooking Lake Travis. I have a 22 ounce cowboy ribeye in front of my face with a glass of wine and my family and friends. And the sun is setting and there's live music playing. And every time that happens, I'm like, wow. Like, I want to live this right here every single night of my life. I don't want it to stop. And then you have other moments in your life, or at least I do, where I'm on my phone trying to answer emails. I'm thinking about a meeting or a podcast I have the next day. We're trying to prep dinner. Charlie's, you know, crying and screaming. She just wants to, 
to play with me and I'm, I'm busy. And in my head, I'm thinking this thing is this phone to my hand is such a drug that I want to get rid of it. I just want everyone to, to stop reaching out to me. And I just want to focus on like my family right now, what I'm doing, be in the moment. So we know what these two different things feel like. And it comes down to, if you know what those things feel like, and you know what it feels like when you're in the moment, just taking a step back. Like last week, as I'm, as I'm preparing to write this book, I have so many voice memos I have in my phone right now, just different parts and chapters. And as they happen, or as I think about them on a run, for example, I, I make a voice memo. Last week, I made a voice memo because I was extremely overwhelmed this one morning. You know, I'm focused on things in the business and the house and uh, our water softener broke, a big tree in our backyard's dead. Steph was trying to get to an appointment. I was trying to hop on a call before the babysitter got here. It was just like, I was extremely overwhelmed. And I took a step back and I was thinking, it was one of those moments of, of extreme self-awareness. It doesn't happen often, but if you, if you consciously make yourself do it, you can get really good at it. And I thought, why am I overwhelmed right now? And I mentally made a list of all the things that are overwhelming me. And I thought, all of these things that I'm focused on, I cannot control right now or even today. I can't even think about these things or do anything about these things until tomorrow or next week or next month. Or sometimes the conditions haven't even been set to start thinking about the next thing. Like, for example, say, say you're moving and you have to sell your house before you can buy a new house. But you're already thinking about buying a new house and putting a fence in and where your kids are going to go to school. We have to realize, well, first I have to sell that house. So we just focused on selling the house first. And when I realized all the things that I was overwhelmed by, self-induced, it was self-induced uh, level of being overwhelmed. I actually realized there was only two things that I could focus on and control in that entire day. And there was like this, this weight lifted off me. I thought, oh, I can be extremely present right now. There's two things I need to do before the day's over. And I have 12 hours before this day's over. I'm golden. All these feelings of being overwhelmed or being distracted and not being able to be present, it's all this fake false story that I'm telling myself. And we, we create this, this level of has to be done now, has to be done now. I have to answer this text. I have to answer this email. I have to respond to someone instantaneously when in reality you control your time, you control where your mind is at in relation to your feet. And when you have that level of just awareness, you, you realize, holy shit, I'm in control of like my life. I'm in control of the way I feel. I'm in control of my anxiety and my emotions and everything. Like I control it. No one else does. You feel so powerful when you realize that. That's awesome, man. I appreciate it. I love how you went. Um, more of the self-awareness and mental, mental route rather than the physical route because I always look to physical tools for that. You know, I got to get outside. I got to go for a walk. I got to slow things down, go for a run, go for a hard workout, something like that. So uh, I appreciate you going the mental and the self-awareness route. That was awesome. Thanks, Thank you. That, that's why I run. Like when I run yeah. in the morning, it is no longer for the physical benefit. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's all for just like, the depth of thought and perspective and uh there's no distractions there's zero distractions and it's all clarity yeah 
Yeah, same here, man. And, and uh, your content is helping me take my running game to the next level. So I appreciate you putting that out there for us. Thank you. I appreciate you. Yeah. That's awesome. Mr. Harris, go ahead, sir. Nick, uh, thanks again for coming. Um, I wanted to ask you, so, um, you know, if you were to take yourself back to 10 years ago, but you had met your wife, you had your baby, and you haven't built your business yet. How would you how would you do things different? Because obviously, you know, to build a business like you have, you got to work your tail off. Yeah. Right. So how, how would you how would you handle that circumstance differently, knowing what you know now? I would have brought more of the right people on the team earlier on. I, I like to say that you can go really fast alone, but you can go a whole lot further together. And in the beginning, when I had less responsibility in my personal life, I could go really fast by myself. As my personal life started to grow and develop, and I started to build a family, I realized this is not sustainable. I now have to do what I'm doing right now with a larger team, more people in my life to help me get to where I want to be. I mean, that's what's powerful about this group of, of men right here. Like you're not doing this on your own. You're doing this together and you can go so much further together. It's, it's a mentorship, guidance, uh, education, full curriculum of, of, of learning from people's successes and failures and mistakes and applying those to, to yourself. I didn't have that when I got started. I wish I did. You know, all the mistakes I made were because I didn't know what I was doing. And I was trying to operate really fast by myself. So if I had to do this whole thing over again and from the, from the, from right now being married with one daughter who's, who's under one and, you know, we're still growing our family. I would be very intentional with what I'm about to do. Because in the beginning, it was just throwing darts at a dartboard, hoping something stuck. Because I had the time, I had the, I had the energy to expend waste on all these things. But if I had to do it again, I'd be very clear, I'd be very deliberate, I'd be very strategic and intentional with what I'm about to do. And then I'd bring people in with me who align with the message and the mission and the vision. And I would delegate and elevate and I'd say, let's all go do this together. I'm not, I'm not doing all of it. Like you can all have a piece of the pie, but let's, we can go a whole lot further together. So I don't necessarily have the time, energy or resources to go as fast as I once did. Well, I appreciate that. And what was that? Um, you, you mentioned the entrepreneurial OS. What was that again? EOS. EOS. Yeah, it's based off of uh, this book right here. Gino Wickman, Traction. It's great for any, any business or organization. Um, we spent the last 12 plus months implementing EOS, and it's been super powerful for our business. Gotcha. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yep. Do you know Gino, Nick? I do not know Gino. I'll introduce you guys, man. He'd be a good one to have on the uh, on the oh, show. That'd be, that'd be great. But yeah, he's a he's a really good, really good dude. It's funny when actually when I came back from Austin this last trip, I was sitting on the plane and and uh, somebody came by and had that exact book in their arms, and so I 
I tapped the guy next to me and I'm like, Hey dude, I'm not taking a picture of you right now. And I, and I went like that and I clicked it and I got a picture of it and I sent it to Gino to, to let him know we had somebody on there. I'll introduce you guys. He's a good guy. Uh, I'll, I'll love to have him on the podcast. Super good dude. Jared, go for it, sir. Mr. Bear, appreciate your time, sir. Uh, I'm learning about business and entrepreneurship. And so I know the following three are all important, but I was hoping you'd give me your order of importance and why. And that is relationships, meaning your team and network, two, your brand, and three, your quality product. Mm. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a tough one. Ben Francis, who's a CEO and founder of Gymshark, he came to visit uh, BPN was last April. And, uh, you know, Gymshark's now, I mean, they're, I think they last got valued at like 1.6 billion or something like that. One of the fastest growing apparel lifestyle brands in the world. And he started that business out of his, in his parents' basement. And he talked about the three things that got him to where he is today are people, brand, and product. And I don't know if I can, I can even rank those three in, in any level of importance because it really depends on how you're trying to build it and what you're trying to build. You know, for, for me, I don't want to build a business that's all smoke and mirrors. Like there, there, are, there are businesses out in the industry in the world who are really good at performance marketing, for example. So they have the right people on board. They might have a, a, a low quality brand and a low quality product, but because their performance marketing is so strong, they might be making millions and millions and millions of dollars. That's one way to build a business. That's not the way I want to build a business. And then there's, there's organizations that have uh, the best product ever, but they don't have the team to market it or the brand to promote it. So no one ever finds it. It's just like this hidden gem. You know, there's, there's products that I buy that they have horrible marketing, they have horrible branding, but it's an amazing product and I use. And you have some really strong brands that stand out with low quality products and bad people, but the branding is just so great you buy into it. So there's a million ways to build a business, but for me, the way I want to build it, it's holistic. Those three traits like as one scales and grows the next next level, they all three have to, to move to that next level. So I'm constantly thinking about people, brand, and product simultaneously. And I don't even, I can't rank them one, two, three. They have to be on, they have to be level with each other. Because that that for me is a healthy business. That's a sustainable business. And that's a business, a product, a brand, and people that you can stand behind and that you're proud of. Sir, I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Yeah, it's a great answer. Uh, we'll just gentlemen, we'll make Mr. Williamson will be the last one so we can make sure to honor Mr. Bear's time too. So just want to throw it out there. Mr. Pabilski doesn't say the Z for some reason. Go ahead. Silent Z. I appreciate you, Nick. Um, moving into the fitness world a little bit. So obviously a big part of what you do and, you know, you having a daughter now, um, I know that you plan to pass that down to her and I have a daughter that's, you know, just a couple of months older than yours. And right now it's just, it's so important to, to teach her and lead her by example, what it means to be healthy, what it means to have nutrition, what it means to work out. And in a time where all that stuff, unfortunately, 
unfortunately seems almost counterculture. How important is it even at a young age to start pouring that into our kids and, and to make sure we're just leading by example to show them and pass those values on to them? Mm. I, think, I think it's extremely important. Uh, I'm a big fan of show, don't tell. So my parents, the way they raised me, it was never, you need to eat these vegetables. You need to eat this food. You're not leaving the table. It's like, hey, this is, this is what the family's eating. This is what's for dinner. You either eat or you don't. Like it's, we're not going to force you to eat it. You're probably going to go hungry if you don't, but this is what we're going to put on the table. We grew up in central Pennsylvania. So it was a lot of uh, meat and potatoes growing up. We had a lot of fresh produce and farms and milk uh, that was accessible to us. We were eating a healthy diet. And in terms of fitness, my parents were never saying, you, you got to sign up for sports. You got to, you have to go run. You have to lift weights. They kind of let me find it on my own and get interested and get involved and get curious at a level that I wanted to. Because I watched them growing up. Like when my mom first had us, she was hosting aerobic classes in, in the back of the studio. And me and my brother would sit in the back and we'd watch my mom host these, these aerobic classes. I remember my dad coming home from work every day. He'd stop at the gym on the way home from work. He'd get out of his car and his stringer holding his lifting belt pumped out of his mind. I'm like, man, my dad's a badass. <laughs> so I just, I just watched them do this growing up. So that's the approach I'm going to take is, you know, the way we're feeding Charlie right now, it's what we're eating at the dinner table. She's eating grass-fed meat and potatoes and vegetables and fruit. And we're just putting good foods in front of her. That's what's going to be accessible to her growing up. Are we going to restrict? I mean, I, I'm, I'm hoping that she understands that certain foods make you feel a certain way. So she's going to gravitate towards these certain foods. But I'm not going to say, you will never eat sweets. You know, we're not having Oreos in the house. Like, if you want an Oreo, have an Oreo. You know, if you want to have some sweets, have some sweets. But you know, this these, this food right here, this makes us feel really, really good. This is going to fuel us. And in terms of training, like my, my kids are going to watch Steph and I train. I think that's why it's so important to have a home gym. Mm -hmm. Whether it's a set of dumbbells and a barbell or a full home gym, you know, I, I take Charlie out in the garage with me sometimes. When Steph's gone and she's skipping naps. And I'm training and she's in, you know, her little jumper watching me work out and, and she'll see us training and eating well our entire life. And it'll become part of my kid's lifestyle, I hope. But I, I never want to restrict, especially coming from someone myself having an eating disorder when I was younger. I know what restriction does and control. I just want to show them. I don't want to tell them. I want to show them how to eat, how to be healthy, how to work out, how to train because the result makes you feel and look a certain way. So good. And I think it always goes back to what Matt says, you know, it's what we create as that baseline normal in our house. Like your, your daughter, my daughter are going to grow up and that that's just what they know. That's just what they saw. We create that new normal. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I learned so much. I think I talked to Matt about this when he was in town, but the one thing that podcast does for me personally is when I hear someone's story about where they came from, their childhood, and the person they are today, it always just clicks. It makes so much sense. Oh, the way 
the way you respect people and have conversations and discussions, it's low ego and you're secure and you, and your thoughts and opinions and yourself, well, that reflects the way you were raised and what you were exposed to. And then you meet people who had very traumatic experiences and, and were raised poorly. And yeah, they, you can still be a great person. You can still be good, but you have to overcome a level of uh, issues, you know, getting through that. So like for me, my big focus is, that's one of the reasons I stepped down from the CEO role in my business, like these years matter so much. If we don't lay the foundation in these early years, that's missed opportunity. You never get back. I do not want to miss that. So good. Appreciate that, sir. Man. Mr. G, go ahead. Hey, Nick, uh, thanks for coming on today. Uh, it's been a great chat. Uh, my question for you is um, we've had several mentors come on that are former military and every one of them seems to be uh, quite successful. And my question is, uh, what lessons did you take from the military or, uh, or even growing up? I'm sure there was lessons there um, that's, that kind of helped you as an entrepreneur and, and in business. I'm sure discipline was obviously one of them, but what else, uh, what else would you say? I don't uh interesting dynamic growing up and I didn't realize this until I was actually having a conversation with Matt on our, our podcast. And I, I realized it mid thought as I was talking where my dad's side of the family, they were dairy farmers, central Pennsylvania, my mom's side of the family, a lot of them were military. So the dairy farmer side of the family, uh, they were very cold. They weren't warm people. You didn't get hugs. You weren't told, I love you. You you went and milked cows in the morning and you milked the cows in the evening and you you worked your ass off. It was a lot of stress, stress around the weather and the crop, the yield, the harvest, uh, fluctuations in cost of materials. There was so much stress in that side of the family. And it almost felt like my dad and his brother were just tools for the business. Since my, my grandparents sold the farm, they become more warm, but they never have been the warmest people. My mom's side of the family, the warmest people you ever met. I mean, my grandma, every time she saw you, she's pulling you in, she's kissing all over you. Uh, very empathetic, family-oriented, just loving people. So I had this really interesting dynamic growing up. What I realized during the, the episode with Matt was I can almost toggle between these two family dynamics, almost like a switch where when I have to be hyper-focused and eliminate empathy and eliminate emotion and just be like business Nick, I can do that. And it's, it's, you know, yes or no. Like I said, it's, it's not warm. It's, if there's no sympathy, it's, it's, it's just business. And then the other side of that card is very empathetic, very understanding and caring and lenient uh, in certain parts of my life. And I've realized those two dynamics really shaped me into the person I am today, where if I want to build something and I'm all in on it, I'm all in. Like nothing will pull me from. That is that work ethic that is just unrelentless. 
But I also have the side of me that that will realize, oh man, I'm I'm neglecting parts of my family in my personal life and friendships. And you know, what I'm the way I'm focused right now is not how I want to be focused. And I think that honestly is what really shaped me into the person I am today. The military definitely refined and taught me um, everything that I achieve is earned and not given and accountability and attention to detail uh, I'm in control of, I'm in ownership of, and I need to own that. And I learned a lot through those experiences too. And it goes back to just layers of pain. Like I mentioned in the beginning of this is, you know, my, my family dynamic was one layer of pain. When I had an eating disorder when I was younger, that was a layer of pain. When I launched my business in 2012, layer of pain, ranger school, military, platoon leader time, uh, you know, the hardest years of my life in business, the best years of my life in business, having a kid, getting married. Man, you, once you layer enough of pain, the reason that people who are older are so smart and so wise is because they've layered so much paint over decades and decades and decades. And I think once I've learned and realized that, I, I, I understood that I need to take advantage of more opportunities. I need to get out there and experience more. I need to keep layering paint, but I'm just going to get better the older I get. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, it's an interesting story about uh, growing up. So it sounds like you got more out of that than, than the military, maybe, I guess that shaped you. And I guess you were just primed for the military at that point from working on the dairy farm. Yeah. I was always a pretty disciplined person. I mean, I started a business my like senior year of college. So as all my friends were going out and partying, uh, I was building a business, you know, bootstrapping from the ground up. So I'd say I, I'd had those, those characteristics even before going active duty. Yeah. Great. Thank you very much. Thank you. Pretty cool to have that self-awareness now, though, too, of understanding that toggling back and forth. Yeah, that really is. Are you okay for one more quick one here with Mr. Williamson? Is that okay? Yeah. Awesome. Yep. Thank you, sir. Go ahead, Steve. I'll try, I'll try to keep it quick. So two things. You were talking about Lair and pain, and I have posted next to my mirror. Uh, change won't happen until the pain of staying the same outweighs the pain of change. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that as you layer that pain, you determine your central point of what those pain points are. Um, they, they grow on themselves. And so you start to layer that pain and that, that change progresses. Um, and, the, and that needle is always moving. And I think as you layer pain, um, that, that it becomes more, uh, sorry, my kids are at it in the other room and I lost my train of thought. Um, so I, that's, thanks for your time. I am going to jump to the question that I was going to ask you. So as you started to walk out EOS, um, are you a visionary or are you an implementer? Visionary. Totally. 100, okay. 100% visionary. So when you look back and getting started, who was your implementer and how did you find them? Uh, so where I failed is I did an episode, a podcast episode with Seth Godin a few weeks back. I highly recommend listening to that episode. 
talks about the difference between leaders and managers. And leaders are not always really good managers, and managers are not necessarily always good leaders. And I would I would argue that I'm a better leader than I am manager. I also enjoy leading more than I enjoy managing. I don't manage anyone in the business right now. And that has been my goal for a long, long time. Um, I think when I realized that I was holding the business back, actually, when I was trying to be the visionary and the implementer or the integrator. And it just so happened that someone came into my business. Her name's Kat Thomas. She was at first a a uh, consultant advisor for the brand. And then she came on full-time as the chief revenue officer. And as we started implementing EOS, I identified her as the integrator into the business. So that when it came time that I wanted to sit down from the CEO role, it was a no-brainer that Kat was going to be the CEO. Kat naturally stayed in that integrator role in EOS. So I sit up top as visionary. Even if you read uh, Rocket Fuel, Rocket Fuel is a follow-up to Traction. In Rocket Fuel, they start describing, if you, if you think this way, if you do this, if you do that, you might be the visionary. And as they're going down the list, I'm like, yep, 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 yep. And they went over to integrator role and I was like, no, 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 no. So that's why it's so important to have the right people in the right seat in a business or your life or anything you're doing because they can fully hone in in their area of genius. When I stepped down to that integrator role and just stayed in the visionary role, things started just growing. Um, so did so did so you hired Cat years ago and then realized that hey you're you're my you're my right hand that I need. I hired her about a year and a half ago, and like I never planned on stepping down from the CEO role. The only reason I did is because it was the, for the right person to take lead in that position. Um, it, it wasn't like one day I thought, man, I don't want to be CEO anymore. It was a realization of, holy crap, I got someone on my team that's a better CEO than me. I'm putting them in that seat. Okay. That's that's because I didn't know if that was someone that you had sought out or if they were already on your team and you said, you're it. Yeah. I think I got lucky in that, that situation. Most of the time in businesses, you have to go seek that integrator because that is a very uh, pivotal role for the business. But it just so happened that, you know, things started working out where we, I found EOS, implemented EOS, had Kat on the team. And I'm thinking, holy crap, I got, I got all these rules I need already. They're just not in the, the right positions. So we reshifted things around and it worked out that way. But a lot of times you probably have to hire a recruiter or go on a hiring process to find that person. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I'm going to introduce you to Gina. Seth is one of my favorite freaking humans on the planet. Such a good guy. Uh, I'm so glad you guys can. I can't wait for that episode. I'm going to introduce you to Gino. 
And I got one question for you before you leave. Are you, are you, is Steph okay with guns in the house? Yeah. Okay. Cause I think we've got a, uh, we got a 509 LS edge that's got Nick Bear's name on it. So um, when we get out there. I, yeah. Yeah, man. So when we get out there in, uh, in October, um, I want to make that happen. And we're going to do dinner at Steiner Ranch uh, that night too. So we'll go shooting some stuff in the morning and go, uh, go to Steiner's for dinner and, and, uh, and have a blast, man. And if we can get a babysitter, we'd love to have Steph at dinner uh, too. So we're going to have a fun day, man. That sounds like a great day. Yeah. It sounds like a really good freaking day, man. I'm so grateful for you. How do we, as a, as a, an organization uh, support you, anything that we can do on our end? Yeah. I, I would say right now, one of my big focuses is the podcast. So go listen to the podcast, share the podcast this is where I'm putting a lot of my time and energy into right now. I'm really enjoying that platform. For the last 10 years, I've documented my life on YouTube and that has gotten me to where I am today. But what got me here isn't what's going to get me there. I think the podcast is what's going to get me to uh, this next level of not necessarily even success, but just fulfillment and happiness and the work that I want to be creating. Dude, highly. Hi, yeah. Agree. Pavilsky. Like it is. So it is quite literally one of my favorite podcasts. It's one of the only podcasts that I will listen to um, consistently personally that I'll make it a, a priority to do so. So I highly, highly recommend that. Um, can't wait to hear uh, Seth on there. I'm excited that you got B coming on too. Tell him I said hi, man. That's awesome. And good stuff coming up. Uh, yeah, for sure. And brother, just super appreciative of uh, of who you are, man, and how you're showing up in the world. Uh, True. I appreciate you. I appreciate all you guys. Thank you. You have now taken the step to becoming a great leader of tomorrow. Join the Apogee program by visiting www.apogeestrong.com. For inquiries, contact us 916-728-0606 or email matt at apogeestrong.com. Thank you for listening to Essential 11, Shaping Leaders Among Leaders. Stay tuned for more episodes.